Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Leon from Nottingham. And you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, the Queen has given us 70 years of service. But what does she do day to day? Okay, now on with the show. And remember to question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzle, hello, and a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from Leon from Nottingham's question, what does the Queen do day to day? Dane, what, what does the Queen do? Good question, Howard. I think it's a really good question. I would imagine nowadays the Queen spends most of her days... Dossing. Trying to, dossing and I'd say maintaining her levels of health. Yeah, you know, the Give Queen... Simple analysis. Um, Despite being of a of a uh, obviously a preferred and divine, some would argue divine lineage, um, even she's not completely immune to the effects of time. So I imagine now her day to day probably involves a, a little bit of cardio. I imagine some kind of probiotic or some laxative to make sure that she's regular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, probably really high puts, quality laxatives actually. Oh yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. It'd be top of the range. Not silicone, like, like proper. No, no, this is top shelf. Yeah, yeah. This is top shelf stuff. Like this is probably like cultured from you know the good bacteria that was in Jesus's gut um, yeah. I imagine that she does yeah a little bit of cardio takes the dogs for a walk and um, watches someone takes the dog for a walk probably well watches someone uh, consult somebody as they, take, as they take the dog for a walk um, I imagine in more recent times she's doing a lot of PR mm. uh, having to have a few meetings of what to what to talk about and what not to talk about mm. um, busy to keep herself busy really keeps us yeah I feel like at this point she tries to keep herself busy and do you know what? I'd like to think maybe she writes in a diary. Yeah. Um, well, hope that answers it for you, Leon. And uh, suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dane? Absolutely. Our questions are numerous and vast, and they are suitable for both the landed gentry and the laity. We do not discriminate based on your class or your extraction or your lineage. And if you do enjoy the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, and you'll never miss an episode. Or you can subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network, where you can hear all of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is an Edinburgh Comedy Award-nominated Australian comedian. He is a permanent fixture on the international stand-up circuit and makes regular guest appearances on Australian television. Since his last appearance in Edinburgh in 2016, he has released five specials, debuted on US TV, amassed half a million YouTube subscribers, earned 50 million likes on TikTok, and is now fresh off the back of a solo, sold-out North American tour and is making his long-awaited return to Edinburgh this year in 2022. And he is a good friend of mine and has one of the most beautiful radiant complexions in all of comedy please welcome to the show mr randy feltface hey what what an amazing introduction thank you so much oh it's a pleasure mate yeah how you been 
I've been great. It's, it's such a joy to be joining you today. Thank you for having me on this wonderful podcast. I'm in uh, Washington, D.C. at this point in my situation room waiting for further instructions and things are good. Things are really good. I'm having a nice time. How are you both? Good, thank you. It's nice to hear that you're, you're, you're right there at Washington, D.C. and uh, things are going well. Uh, may yes. I say, Randy, obviously, I, I think the last time I saw you was around 2016 and uh, you've, you've done really well, man, considering we've been in a pandemic and stuff. You're like the age isn't showing too badly on you. No, no, I, I managed to weather the pandemic uh, reasonably well. If anything, I look younger than I did in 2016. Something to do with my. I've had a lot of work done, but um, but yeah, no, I, I actually I've had a pretty good few years. I, I'm feeling okay. I feel very grateful, very blessed, very happy to be here. Still, still enduring, surviving. That's what it's got to be done, man. It seems like you're in a really good place, man. It's nice to see it. Um, Where did you two you- meet then? I think it was, may have been Melbourne originally. We met at Melbourne International Comedy I, Festival. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. We, I think we it did. was in Melbourne, and then we yeah. and then reconnected in, in Edinburgh. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. So you know, as comedians do, Howard, we travel a lot of the time, and uh, you'll find yourself in the same circles very often. And then for a few years, you don't see each other for a while. And uh, obviously, the pandemic, um, you know, was particularly stringent laws in uh, in Oz. So glad to see you got through got through the uh, fire there, Andy. Yes, I spent eight months locked in a house in regional Victoria, going slowly insane. Good times. Does it to you, man? Come through the other side, though. Do you feel stronger for the experience? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, I actually, it was, it was good for, I mean, particularly weirdly in the States for me here, because I released a whole lot of stuff online uh, and it kind of bolstered my US audience in a way that wouldn't have happened if I had have actually been here touring. So it, uh, yeah, did I orchestrate the pandemic in order to gain more US followers? Only time will tell. <laughs> well, we'll see if that we allude to that in one of the questions. We wanted to ask though, Randy, in your opinion, what do you think the Queen does all day? Well, I think crosswords. I think she's doing crosswords. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's doing Sudokus, trying to keep her mind sharp. Um, I yeah. like that you threw in a bit of cardio. I think her cardio probably consists of getting out of bed and walking to the crossword. Um, I know that she has a yep. – does she have a martini? <laughs> Is it a martini every day or a GNT? She has some sort of specific drink once a day. But I'm curious as to how many cups of tea she consumes on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. And I feel like every cup of tea she has – is freshly made. Oh, yeah. I don't imagine the queen goes back to the same pot with like you know the temperature of the tea becoming cooler with it. No way, more, I think. No way. Yeah, no. I think that I think Fresh. that's brewed to perfection every single time. Well, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane? As the format of this show dictates. Absolutely, Randy. As our very esteemed guest, we invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you'd like. Which we'd like to discuss mm. for you for about fifteen minutes or so. Then my friend here, Howard Cohen, would like to pose a question to you, which we like to ask for the same amount of time. And then keeping with traditions as we do in this country, sometimes to our, dis- uh, to our detriment, I'd like to pose you a question so we can ask uh, and discuss for 15 minutes or so. And then we'd like for you to tell our listeners where they can find out about your great works, past, present and future. How does that sound? It sounds like a fantastic way to spend a Washington, D.C. morning. I'm into this times a billion. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Well, very exciting that I get to ask the first question. Thank you so much for that honor. I feel very thrilled um, to be able to do this. Very overwhelming brief. Ask any question on the entire planet. I'm a curious chap. I want to know everything. What is the state of the world? Where did, who put the 
cheesy wood panelling in this motel room that I'm staying in? All of these questions plague me nightly. But my question is this, my friends. Have we outsourced our own evolution to the point of our own irreversible imminent destruction? Do you know what I mean by that? Have we outsourced our ability to do things that we've spent millennium kind of honing uh, to the point now that uh, we are just going to slide into obscurity because we don't know how to do anything for ourselves anymore? This is my question. Discuss. Good question. Um, Howard, you normally have the the follow-up by question. Oh, I think it's a very interesting question. I think... uh... What made you think about this, Randy? Well, I, I travel. I'm traveling a lot, right, at the moment, and I rely so much. Like my my inner compass is dead, thanks to Google Maps. My ability to source kind of food and stuff is kind of just Uber Eats. I, I, you know, I, I try to take a walk everywhere I go. I try to explore everywhere I go. But am I truly smelling? what I'm smelling? Am I truly engaging in what I'm seeing? My phone's in my pocket at all times. I might be taking a walk through a beautiful park, take out my phone to check a text message, and then three hours later realize I've been standing in the sun looking at TikTok videos of people squeezing blackheads. Do you know what I mean? Like I am, I'm, yeah, I'm in this point definitely. where maybe I've been so consumed by the things that are meant to make my life more convenient that I have become a useless little bit of slime that's just going to recede into the evolutionary distance. So, yeah, it's, it's a very good point. And uh, it speaks is to it too a conversation. as a question? Not, not at all. Definitely not. Never, Definitely never. not. No way. Absolutely not. No, it's almost, it's almost kind of jarring to kind of start opening up your own psyche to it, really, if I'm honest with you. Uh, because... I think about this all the time. I think about how the most pure bit of my life is taking my son uh, for a bicycle ride. And uh, one of the things that's very good about that is I, I, I obviously can't look at my phone uh, when I, unless I want it, you know, radically in, increase the chance of injuring ourselves. Uh, I can't look at my phone. Uh, so, you know, you're just me, him, the weather, which has been good to cycle in recently in London, uh, in, in, in the UK. And um, uh, yeah, just, just the handlebars is lovely. And, uh, you know, you kind of, uh, most of my life doesn't feel like the way that most of my life feels like it's been intoxicated by um, technology and, you know, algorithms and a, a, an abundance of choice that I don't feel like I actually want, Dane. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost like, I'm spoiled. It's almost like the human race is fucking spoiled. And we just throw it in the bin. Yeah. That's a very good point that you made about the spoiled thing. Because if you think about the most simplistic version of living, waking up with the sun, no alarm clock, no technology, going to a, a, a bit of soil that you've tilled, picking the things that you're going to eat, preparing them and on an open fire perhaps, a bit of water from the creek, from the little stream by your, whatever your little makeshift lodgings are. I wonder if there would be boredom or I wonder if the, the mind would, would, you know, because at the moment we're so like everything, you know, constant information, overwhelming number, of, connected to way more people than we've ever evolved to be connected to on a daily yeah. basis. I wonder if my general level of yeah. happiness would Absolutely. be so much higher if I was doing that or if I would feel like I'm missing out 
on all of that connection and the benefits that come from technological advancements, you know? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, when, it's, it's, a, it's an excellent existential question. And obviously, I think for those of us who live in this particular part of the world, um, and I guess even when we talk about this part of the world, the the part of the world you live in can be transient in itself because you know, in your line of work and in mine, we are quite nomadic and we can travel quite a lot, but having access to information technology means that we are still able to remain connected to aspects of our uh, sphere of influence and I guess to, to a certain level, our privilege and our awareness based on having a an amenity like a phone in our possession. Um, I think it's important to remember for all, all of us here in, in this conversation to remember that this is, this is can be described as part of, um, you know, there's a pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs where because our most basic physiological needs are being met, like we have access to running water and power and food and even in Howard's case of having family, we have access to uh, human association. We are at the point now where, as Howard says, we're, 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 we're spoiled, but our needs are so well met that now we are at the point where self-actualization is was at the apex of that hierarchy of needs. And because of that, we're thinking about where our place correctly sits in existence and with life and nature itself. And um, you have to remember that there are still large swaths of the human population who don't have that. So even though we've arrived at a point whereby we're able to ponder our existence and how that uh, works and how we're able to thrive alongside uh, some of the new entities in life, whether it's like artificial intelligence or even uh, new ways humans contextualize their existence through identity politics, there are still some people, there's still seven-eighths of the planet who have to do a lot of work to get access to running water. Um, however, I would say that um, I definitely uh, agree with you guys in terms of, I don't say, say that uh, aspects of our evolution have died. I think that uh, technological advance is a natural part of human evolution and has been our drive since the industrial age. So yeah, um, one of the things where like we've had uh, pivotal points of evolution, like when uh, Prometheus supposedly brought fire to human beings and that changed our lives. But obviously there's there's also the massive devastation that causes, as you see, like wildfires, both in the States and in Australia. And I think probably the biggest point of discussion in terms of what's been the most... Uh, uh, I'd say most pivotal change in human consciousness has been the introduction of social media. And we're not necessarily sure about how that's going to affect us. And I feel like uh, describe if we were to describe social media to successive generations, it's very similar to when people, des uh, Nietzsche describes uh, human beings saying that like God made man and man destroyed God. And potentially we may have created the next uh, in line in terms of evolution and maybe this regression that we're experiencing, even though uh, we believe because we've, as I said, outsourced um, the drive or the stimulus for human evolution, this is causing this regression where we, especially on social media, we tend to act like uh, we are like protozoa and single cell organisms. But that's not to say necessarily that um, maybe this is the inception of our new evolution. And maybe the problem is that we expect the uh, level of development of our human consciousness to migrate in the same way onto digital media or in, within technology when really we're just at the beginning and we need to learn to acclimatize and learn how to thrive and exist alongside essentially what is a new form of sentient life. So mm. to answer the question a bit more, I guess, concisely, I feel like for me, I feel like, 
yeah, we've kind we've kind of outsourced. Um, the problem is necessarily us outsourcing the labour of evolving and developing as a species. I think it's that despite the fact that we now have something one to assist some of our more basic physiological and sociological needs, we're not using this new free time to focus on our development. So, for example, like with my partner, you know, and I'm sure a lot of time, sometimes your partner might bemoan the fact that they're trying to hold your attention in the conversation. You might watch something that's very good. Whereas in an era of streaming and, you know, being able to literally pause television, there shouldn't be any conversation that you're not privy to because there's now a facility where you're able to pay a lot more attention in the same way that like, you know, where isolation and loneliness is a frequent problem that a lot of people experience, especially during the pandemic. And a lot of people experience in developed metropol- metropolitan cities anyway. It's mm. strange because literally now, as I mean, someone that was born in the 80s, the idea of being able to have a video call with someone on the other side of the world used to be a dream. But we're at a point now where we're, we're probably, I'd say, a year off, if not two years, off of getting to the point where we're almost having like Star Wars holographic projections of people in conversation. Because now you have like meta and you can have video conversations and we can have conversations like we're having now, which were dreams when we were younger. And, and, it's, and it's maybe not the uh, phenomenon or the existence of this technology or the existence of outsourcing this stuff. It's more our misuse of it. Interesting. Very interesting. So, that's it. What, have we corrupted that? that? I, think, I, think that I think that maybe it is. That's it. And, and, that, and, and for me personally, I think it's always going to be an issue when you contextualize this phenomenon through the lens of capitalism because... The question always is, is the benefit to humanity as a whole or is the benefit going to be towards of a commercial one? Because, you know, we had large arguments over uh, vaccinations and vaccinations were able to divide people and a large amount of that conversation was taking place on social media. And it was insane that, you know, part of that counter narrative to uh, vaccination were people like, I'm tired of hearing from experts and I'm tired of hearing from scientists, where it would have been a normal practice of human etiquette to go to someone who has expertise in a field mm-hmm. to find out what you want. Like, you know, it's, and, but as you've seen, what's happened a lot of the time is that I suppose where we historically gave over power to institutions and groups and paradigms, which would have this expertise, the availability of technology to empower our access to information and to also elevate our presence in these circles has probably corrupted us in terms of um, how we kind of administrate these gifts. So, you know, Going back mm. to what I said before about Nietzsche saying that man creates God and God uh, and God creates man and man destroys God, like we now have the power of a God through social media because it gives us omnipotence, omnipresence, and omniscience. We can know what's happening everywhere in the world. We can be everywhere what's happening in the world, and the omnipotence comes from the fact that we can now directly engage with people historically who would have been able to have conversations that we weren't privy to. Like there was, like you couldn't call a prime minister a piece of shit really i mean you could maybe shout it during a, a rally or if they were visiting somewhere like on a diplomatic visit but now i can type in the name of my prime minister on twitter and tell them what i think about them and they not they they can't necessarily call mi6 to defend themselves from your mi5 to come and arrest me yet do they end up behaving differently as a result where's the purity in choice where's the purity in thought where's the purity in decision making and where's the integrity gone when you're chasing your tail the whole time wondering what people who can get at you think. I think my true existential dread about all of this is that idea that as a species we've survived for this amount of time and these developments have been in this amount of time and I wonder if we're losing all of those really 
important things that make us who we are as a species and as a creature and as a being capable of inclusion and and sort of enlightenment and stuff and we narrowed it down into just this oh my god look at this dopamine hit thing that's ruining everything and also what you said before about you know seven-eighths of the planet not having access to clean drinking water or or that sort of stuff the that that's a that to me that's a result of the rest of the planet having this little you know obsessive thing yeah. and the fact that i have i'm lucky enough at this point in my life to have a choice about whether to stay on grid or not if i if i went off the grid quote unquote my career would certainly grind to a halt because i sell all of my tickets on social media to be honest but it would mm-hmm. be nice to just have a little rest by a creek and and pick my vegetables and make my little stew, this is why I'm this is why I'm not sleeping at the moment. I, th- I think I think I think it's it's a very valid complex to have, and I think it's one shared by everybody. And you know, it's it's interesting because the existential conversation that would have kind of um, prefaced the one we're having now would have been about people having questions about God and how uh, applicable religious belief is to the way life is changing and there was a time at which I suppose a lot of unexplained phenomena would have been attributed to a divine being and then with the introduction of industrialization because we could you know do stuff like more intensively harvest and farm crops it meant that people wouldn't have to be as dependent on you know spirituality for like better rains and to avoid droughts and the reason I say that is because when I spoke about us having the power of God you know people would say well if God's real why do bad things happen to good people? Now that we can see what people are thinking all the time through social media, and I don't just mean like, you know, ideologues, I mean like trolls and the worst of social media. Now we can hear what people are really thinking and asking for in the more darker recesses of their mind and, you know, what their deeper wishes and desires are. If you were a god, would you answer these prayers knowing how these people think necessarily? Now we know what the stimulation well, now we know what it feels like to be stimulated by having to access of all narratives around the world and how everybody thinks, even from benevolent to malicious to now understanding, you know, the state of the world and what people are doing in the face of being aware of climatological crises. Now you know that. Does it not seem now that you even you would think, do you know what? Sometimes I just need to take a break from these fuckers and then have my stew by my celestial stream and just go into my yeah. celestial cabin and maybe let these guys work it out for themselves. And so, yeah, it's, um, it definitely stands to reason that, you know, by us outsourcing these, I guess, these points of evolution, it might be, yeah, we're, we're working towards our, the evolution and, and, and or, or maybe just the whole of our evolution. And I, I think the reason, as you said, is that one of the reasons why we're struggling with integrity and we're struggling with moderation is that we, we don't understand the language in which artificial intelligence speaks is binary, is zero and one. Mm. That's not how we speak, though, because even whichever most spiritual systems that we observe, I mean, we at the very extremes, there is binary, but then uh, when you look at like the model of stuff like yin and yang, there's bad within the good and there's good within the bad. So go to go back to your direct example, Randy, while social media is very bad, it's also helped you to reach an audience that you wouldn't necessarily be able to reach through normal means. And obviously being a comic... You've been able to bring joy to people where under your under normal circumstances you may not be able to reach them, and that's been beneficial. So that's the light that can be within a dog that is social media. So I think it again, I guess that my answer is kind of that we just need to work out how to 
speak the same language as, well, arguably our new hosts, because now we're occupying their space. Do we do we circumvent that whole situation and just sort of make? I, because I feel like the the depth of distraction that pulls us away from mm. from what is most important. What what our you know you talked about the hier- the the pyramid yep. of hierarchy. You know, in terms of needs, like I feel like yes, we've got all of that stuff sorted out, but. I think like the 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 pull away from concentrating on what the what I would consider to be the most fundamental issues in terms of the state of the planet and the and the state of the world in general and 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 population and wealth distribution and wealth inequality and all that sort of stuff like we don't really need to think about it because you you there's there's a, so many distractions and if you take it back to the idea of mm. god is is the idea of a of a god essentially an outsourcing of our appreciation mm. for the natural world and and you know that idea of like is the is the is the planet that we live on and the creatures that inhabit this planet not miraculous enough why do you need to create this this idea of a deity if not for control if not for restriction if not for limitation if yeah. not for oppression you know what i mean so what? you know we've well, so, really yeah, absolutely we've really absolutely. come out swinging on this one haven't we this is some uh it's absolutely. nine it's nine thirty a.m in washington dc my brain <laughs> is already melting i love this shit hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, absolutely. No, and me too. And for me, it's like I think you made a very good point about God because what we should remember as a as a for a large part of human evolution, we worship nature as a god. We recognize yeah. nature's divinity. And there was a point in which when we began to try and anthropomorphize God, because remember, nature created us. We are a product of nature. Whether you are a creationist or an evolutionist, nature preceded our presence on Earth. And so, mm. no, for a long time, I suppose. Um, Proto-cultures would have looked at nature, like, you know, indigenous Australians looked at nature as their god and they worshipped um, spirits and they would have maybe given these um, spirituality or form to aspects of nature. There's only very recently in human history, we've anthropomorphized the idea of God and the deity and created a more patriarchal idea of God through Abrahamic religion. But prior to that, worshipping of life and the ability to give life and, you know, people had water spirits and people would worship the sun. So... Maybe that that was that would have that was a previous example whereby once we began to outsource 
and believe in these and different ideas, we began to mm-hmm. separate ourselves from nature. So the reason why I say um, it's about learning the language is because you've brought up in, in, in very important points that affect human civilization, whether it's the, you know, the uh, allocation of resources and the availability of resources and also, you know, models in terms of climatological crises. And I, the reason why I say our language is because those are very complex things that if we were to work in harmony with the technology as it exists, there are probably algorithms that do exist that would allow us to work out how to correctly apportion resources uh, in a way that would allow them to replenish. It may not be an exact science, but if we were to maybe employ artificial intelligence in that way, it would be able to tell us this is how much we should use, how long we're supposed to use it for to maintain a certain standard of living so that the crash or the fall off the precipice of the cliff to environmental collapse doesn't happen in the next two to three years. They they absolutely exist. They they exist, right? They do, yeah. And it's, it's about us whether we're prepared to use those. In the same way that, like, there are algorithms now where if you take a picture of a loved one who may have died in the 1800s, they can give you an approximation of how that person looks. There's probably algorithms whereby if you were to suggest a scenario to somebody who maybe experienced some historic childhood trauma, you can probably make it play out based on that and let them understand how that may have worked out. So again, the problem is that we, it's, it's not necessarily the existence of these things, it's our employ of them. You know, if, mm-hmm. if we were, if we were mm-hmm. to have discourse that was facilitated by social media to discuss spirituality, for example, then you may see a lot more spiritual harmony among us human beings because there'd be such a much of what we'd be given such a wider perspective of the lives of others, we'd have more of an understanding from them. I think it's again comes down to more of the hands it's in, in the same way that fire can be great if you know you use it to heat a home, but if you put it on the tip of an arrow, it's much more destructive. So mm. I guess it really comes down to us and what we're prepared to do in terms of how we outsource it. But I think the thing that that highlights, Dane, for me, and I must stress, for me, you can go and do whatever you want, listeners. I'm not here to tell you what to do. But for me, the, the number one element that comes across is, is, a, is an inability to prioritize on a, on, a, on, a, on a kind of grand level, right? So like, as in like, you might have to prioritize like ordering food tonight on Deliveroo, right? Like, but let's be honest, that is a very simple bit of prioritizing. And the only reason you're doing it is because you're fucking hungry. Like that doesn't take two bits of your brain, Uh, to work that out but what i feel about what we've discussed today is that the algorithms and the and and the kind of the the stuff that randy has kind of brought up about how we are ultimately evolving really in some respects um is that uh, you know it it is a a kryptonite to a, a, a a solid bit of evolution uh and and i think the god element of that is quite fascinating because uh, I'm not religious. I don't massively believe in God. But but before anyone who does believe in God goes, oh, well, you're... you're bleh, I don't know. I don't have an answer, right? Because the brain... Uh, how much... Dane, uh, you know you know a lot about the world. We only understand a very small amount about our brains, right? It, I, think it's, I think it's like... Yeah, 4%. it's a crazy and number. The only, and, the, and the only people, like, I think someone said that is like maybe Einstein and Nikola Tesla maybe use like... 4.02 of so, their so brain because, and, that, and, that, and that produced enough level so because, of intelligence because, like because of that because of that massive 
gaping hole in our knowledge. I'm willing to say, I don't know for definite there isn't something spiritual, religious. I don't know how you want to term it. You could term it however you like, but I can't answer that. So it might be that there's more to this life than, than we see. But you know what? I can prioritize definitely believing in that over the fact that my fucking world is burning <laughs> like that that is like and, and i i feel everything that you've talked about like the algorithms your phones your, you know just obsessions with all this technology that we're given every day is just absolutely not sorting out our priorities we we we, we, we are lo- losing the ability mm. to prioritize what what matters to our lives almost in a in a, in a way like it seems like at some point the anthropomorphization of of spirituality into a single centered sort of concept of a of a deity that's all seeing and all knowing and that's creation and there's almost like a punish a punishing sort of deity um mm-hmm. that's where we kind of sidestep this idea of being in connection with the natural world and prioritizing our choices and our affinity with those around us based on that understanding and that now the precedent that we set with the um, relationship with this centralized God, we apply that to our relationship with technology whereby we look to it for answers and it controls us in a way or it keeps us in a place where we need to be. So it, by me going, oh, we're, we're – our evolution, we're, 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 our evolution is stunted because we're disconnected and we're outsourcing our ability to do, fun, you know, basic human things. Probably started way back there when we went, oh, this isn't enough. The planet that we live on and and this world that we exist in isn't enough. There must be something more than this. And now there is something more. There's fucking everything in your pocket constantly. <laughs> Precisely. So uh, what do we do about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do we do about it is a great question. Because, But I, I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, I, I think us understanding that there was more to us than just us wasn't the bad question. It was just the direction that we took the hypothesis in that seems to be the problem. And what the commonality is, uh, we did fuck it. Oh, I, say, I should say we're fucking because it's in, in the present tense or the present infinitive tense because there's still chances for us to pull it back or to redress it. It's just about whether we're willing to do so. And hopefully there's not going to be some kind of, you know, I guess in the same way that a, a biblical war for consciousness or for the soul, or whatever you choose to believe, that stimulates us pondering it. Because, you know, for people who are who do believe creation theory, that's kind of how that whole thing started as well, was that the brightest star, which was uh, Lucifer, and you could argue that we are the apex predators of of nature as human beings, started saying, yeah, serving nature is cool, but what about what we want? Was how the great rebellion in heaven started. And that sounds very similar to us being like, yeah, it's good to have the sun and stuff, but I want nice things. And what can we do to get that? And uh, that in turn has led to us now fighting against one another for resources that if we actually applied ourselves, would probably be enough for everyone. And we know that because prior to our understanding of consciousness and the self and the individual, there was enough, there was abundance for us in the first place. And everything was kind of preset for us to be able to work with it. And I think there's a number of aspects of human existence that we regard as evolutionary that are in fact counter-evolutionary. And there's probably so many steps in which we'd have to redress. And we could probably do that with the help of this new um, entity to understand ourselves better. So for example, when we talk even about evolution, 
our discussions about evolution tend to revolve around us saying things like uh, a dominant species, but there's no such thing as a dominant species if you are part of an ecosystem and you are dependent on other organisms. It's fine saying that we're apex predators as human beings, but we all know if plankton die out or bees die out, we don't have a fucking chance. So if these animals we seem to be this small, insignificant, or those animals that can't even be seen by the human eye are the difference between our thriving or extinction, then it's very erroneous to regard ourselves as a dominant species. And I think the same can be said for uh, AI in that obviously it's a new and emergent uh, entity, but it won't exist and its power is nil if we don't engage with it. Hmm. And mm. so we have to kind of consider that when we think about how we're, we choose to uh, interact with uh, artificial intelligence. Because I, I, I think that's that's the biggest thing is that like, now that we're not the smartest thing in the world anymore, it's even more perilous of us to continue marching along as if we are the smartest thing in the world, because we definitely aren't. And as time is going on, you know, it's said that by 2030, the uh, comparison of artificial intelligence versus human intelligence will be the same as a human being comparing their intellect to an ant. And I think that does sound scary, but at the same time, as we discussed, with the fact that where 96% of our brains of our brain is dormant, you know, that should really be the, uh, again, that should be kind of, we should be on the cusp of maybe having much more new and exciting discoveries rather than focusing on shit that doesn't matter. So because it was the easier option though. It was, it was the easier option just to look at the things that were fucking meaningless. That's what, that's that's what history will judge us by. Right. Yeah. And that's the problem is that that's not evolution, Mm. how evolution works, because in order for us to evolve, we need a stimulus that does endanger our lives in order for us to become better and better adapted to survive. So I guess Randy, what I'm trying to say is that I think, I don't think the problem is outsourcing is that. Which means you need to engage with it. Yes. You have to engage with it and learn to engage and and engage with it for a good purpose rather than just to facilitate our idleness. I think it's important for us to. Rather than create something to engage with it on your behalf. So this idea of how are we going to suddenly tap into the other 96% of our brain, we actually have to have the stimulus to recognize that those other creatures are important to our survival but we probably won't yeah. because we've got these things on our walls and we've got this thing here, so we don't really need to. Yeah. You know? um, oh, no, we're doomed. But then, but then again, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we were all supposed to be doomed. That's that, and, that, and, that's, and that's part of the, uh, of the, uh, the pretentiousness no, we that weren't. human beings that's have. Like, injustice. you know, there was like... <laughs> because we evolved yeah. for a reason within for, we're, we're capable of symbiosis you know what i mean we were oh, yeah damn it we are we got yeah, greedy definitely. oh no quick move on to the next question <laughs> i feel like to me you know i often think about the film in interstellar um mm. and, you know that bit where um if you haven't seen it and you don't want spoilers you should have watched the fucking film, guys. Like, I don't know what to tell you anymore. These are... oh, as Randy said, there's a lot of films out there. It's very hard for people to zero this in. It's a very good film that was made quite a long time ago. So tough, basically. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, there's this sequence in which one woman uh, lands on a planet and um, she has like loads of test tube babies and she can basically start a new planet. Uh, and 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 it, first of all, that's going to be a lot of work uh, for that one woman. Like God knows how she's going to deal with that. But the the thought of 
I, I would hmm. sorry to jump in, but the reason I'll tell you how the same way the first woman yeah. did it. You got to remember the first Homo sapien would have had to be in a woman for us to be a viable species. So at some point there was this one woman and then she had other women and then they had more women and men. And that's where we are, where we are. Someone did it. Someone did it. Yeah, someone someone did it. So it just needs to someone to do yeah. something. But I, 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 I think my point about interstellar is going to be that you're going to think about, you know, we, we, we're trying to find another planet to kind of save this planet. And it'd be like, yeah, no, fuck that planet that we've been on. <laughs> like, <laughs> start again, like ab- abandon, abandon them uh, would, would be a reasonable tactic because it's like when my son, like, you know, he breaks something. I don't instantly like go and get him a new one. He's got to learn that he just broke the thing <laughs> that he had, right? You've got to start again, mm-hmm. you know, with a different perspective. It's, I don't know. That's a slightly weird analogy. Well, no, no, it makes perfect sense. I mean, that's why the richest people in the world are exploring space, right? Because they know that this one, they know yeah. if they continue using their wealth in the way they use their wealth, this planet's not going to be here forever and we're not going to be able to live on it. So rather than taking that $44 billion and purchasing Twitter, you could use it for a whole lot of very important things. You know what I mean? I don't think people are going to be able to. Has anyone got a more frivolous question? Well, well, (laughs) do you know what? It's a good question, but the thing is, Randy, I feel like all roads lead back to this anyway. Because any any because the thing is, went straight to the heart of it. Yeah, he's got straight there. That's it. That's it. And and that's the thing. It's what comes down to the heart of it. Because at the end of the day, I think even when we look at other frivolous questions and what um, other people's yearnings are or their. Wonderlust is about their existence. I think it always comes back down to the same question you, you ask: is like, who who are we? Where the fuck are we going? Mm. And I think it's our our um, reluctance and our fear in facing that question that allows us to be open and vulnerable to misdirection and distraction and carnality. Because it's like if we can keep ourselves uh, occupied by all the five senses or the other ones that we haven't looked into won't start speaking to us because at the same time it's like you know we like you look at mental health for example people wonder what well, how how can the person create a whole new personality for themselves or how could like a schizophrenic person how can it how can they create a new person when maybe we should be asking what is so great about the human mind that they can create a, a human being occupying a carbon-based life form can create a whole nother human being with a backstory yeah how is it that like you're able to project yourself? But how is it when I think about somebody else, I can project them in my mind anyway, and I can still elicit emotion despite that person not being present to stimulate any of my five senses? It's the way we kind of look at some of the questions of ourselves and what we do regard as negative, and us, as I said, not looking at the one instead of the zero in that respect. Yeah. That's probably um, affecting our evolution. Yeah, it's it's look, we've hap- it's happened again, Dane. It's a golden question from a guest that has meant that we have only been able to have one question in the episode. Um, so congratulations, Randy. You've you've won nothing other than our praise for think- bringing up a great question. <laughs> but I think the answer <laughs> to the question is. What does the Queen do every day? Not enough. Yeah, that's where we're coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Leon, Leon is right, but it, it's been a very interesting episode, Dane, uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, I'm not obviously going to, you know, 
you're, where you're the first person of your kind of uh, denomination that we've had on the podcast, Randy, just to let you know. Oh, thank you. Nice to be here. Well, I mean, this all comes, this all stems from the fact that, that there's only one of me left. I'm a critically endangered species. That's why I'm thinking about this all the time. This is it. And, uh, you know, we want you to still be able to thrive. And as I say, you know, we understand your, we understand your uh, existential uh, pondering and we definitely encourage it, Randy. And it's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast and uh, have a meeting of minds. And I, I really hope that uh, knowing that other people th- think about the same shit when they wake up like you do makes you feel less alone in the world. It does very much so. And, and this uh, podcast has made me feel also... much less alone. I can't wait to hang out with you in Edinburgh. Are we going to hang out in Edinburgh? Oh. oh, absolutely. I'll be there making a little cameo. I won't be there for the whole run, but I'll definitely be up to uh, check you out and uh, hang out with the uh, other like-minded individuals. Um, but before that time, uh, Randy, could you please let our listeners know where they can find out about your great works, past, present and future? Well, um, my past works you can find on YouTube, Randy Feldface. Plenty of specials on there for free to view with your own eyeballs. Uh, you can find me on the social medias. Uh, I'm on Instagram mostly, at Randy Feldface. <laughs> and you can find me, uh, I don't know, I'm in America for another few days, then I'm in Montreal, I'm doing Edinburgh Fringe, and then I'm doing a little UK tour. So I'm going to be knocking around... The UK in September, and then I'm going to be doing a run in London in October with my brand new show, which is all about outsourcing evolution. Nice. <laughs> I mean, or it is. It is now, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds, sounds good. And I, I think I think as time goes on, it become a lot more poignant. So, uh, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I hope you've been able to question everything efficiently, and uh, hopefully, I'll catch you soon, bro. Thank you so much. I've questioned everything, and I feel better for it. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. Our guest was Randy Feltface. You can follow Randy on Instagram, at Randy Feltface. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram, at Dane Snaptiste, and at the Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram, at dbqe podcast and we could feature you in our next episode thanks for listening guys and remember question everything insanity group when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.